0: Hello, hello, my beautiful friends. It's Isabella Lumbeck here at The World Messenger, and I'm inviting you for another epic episode of Legacy Leader Show. Today, I have a very special guest that I'm super eager to share some things that will push forward not only your business or if your employee uh, help you to be more effective in everything you do. How we solve problems, how we approach, and what type of system thinking we're using, and what systems we're using, period. So we have here a phenomenal author, a really cool book, uh, Monkey Business. We don't wanna do monkey business anymore because monkey business will not get us anywhere. And on top of that, he is a, someone who also created the Future State Academy and teaches system thinking um, in a ways that really make sense. He's also award winner in excellence in delivering excellence in business during the hardest time, during the COVID, guys, it's easy to deliver something amazing. When is everything great and dandy, isn't it? But how about delivering quality during the hardest year that his country faced and his clients in Dublin in Ireland and beyond? Without further ado, here is the Shay Lynch. Hey, Shay, how are you?
1: Hey, Isabella, that's that's so nice of you to say those lovely things. Thanks for that. Lovely introduction. I'm very honored. Always a pleasure to chat with you as a friend and colleague.
0: Absolutely. And honestly, Shay, when you look at how much you accomplish, all of this is nothing truth. But the truth and the beauty is that a lot of times with someone with a tenure and experience uh, that has been working so long in trenches, we don't see how we accumulate this experience that actually can help tremendously others. And for everybody that did not have a chance to talk to Shay before, obviously we'll have a chance to connect with him on LinkedIn, see his tremendously educational videos. they were little short snippets, but they always bring some of those aha moments. So Shay, how did you start at all of this? How did you get from system thinking and processes to solving the most complex issues?
1: That's a really good question, Isabella. It's also There could be a really long answer to that question, too. Like I always say, I'm an engineer by trade. Building systems is what I do. I used to break things as a kid so I could put them together again. So I always knew problem solving would possibly be in my future. But I'm an engineer. But my problem with engineering, I always wanted to be an engineer, Isabella. But when I started engineering, my first job out of college, two weeks into it, I didn't want to be an engineer anymore. Once I realized it was all about paperwork, non-conformance reports, change requests, that's not what I went to college for. And I got into something called continuous improvement, right? And that's literally what I still do today. Like I'm a Lean Six Sigma master black belt. That's what I have positioned myself for many, many years, but I set up a business Once I started doing all this consulting with Lean, I was consulting in sales, then I was consulting in marketing, then it was finance, then it was operations, and then it was business models. And then I was going well. like, I've now developed the skills to build my own business. Myself, my business partner set up a business in 2007, uh, just a year before that crazy crash of 2008. And we were doing amazing stuff. But before the crash happened, I remember sitting on my desk my first day of the job and my business partner's goal was to design and implement solutions for our clients. My goal was to get the business. I'm an engineer. I didn't know anything about actually doing sales, really, as for myself. And I remember sitting on my chair going, what the hell do I do now? I literally had no idea how to get sales. So all I could rely on was my Business and my manufacturing skills by building step by step by step. And every time I got a blocker at a step, my goal was, well, how can I get around it? How can I jump over that hurdle? How could it not be a roadblock? And over the course of six months, I built this amazing sales model to get sales. And I learned how to add value before the sale. And it worked really well, Isabella. It worked too well because then the crash happened and then I was exposed. But here's the thing, while it was really difficult, we had 12 people working for us. And again, like we could have liquidated. We were owed like, um, we were turning over seven figures. I was owed about half a million euros by clients. And then I owed another half of that to suppliers. So things were very stressful for a small business. And I had 12 mouths to feed. So it was very, very difficult to get paid. So my team could support their families. And we had a choice actually liquidate the business and walk away, but that's not what we wanted to do. So we, we grinded out and we figured out how to do business during really tough times. And I, that's what I always say to clients now is like, I'll teach you how to thrive in good times and bad, not just survive. And and that's what I did. And But it all comes back to systems thinking, building things that you can tweak, measure, test, learn, rebuild, Remeasure and keep, keep iterating your business model all the time. And it's not like, I wouldn't say what I do, Isabella, is rocket science. There's a lot of good ideas that come up. And we were talking about this offline beforehand. Like, it's not about, like, I don't always have the great ideas. I facilitate groups to, to get the ideas out. And then I help them put them together and build a mechanism. And then it won't always work. It won't always be right first time but the goal is not to get it right the goal is to get it started and commit to continually iterating and proving it all the way because it's like like trying to do your business model when you're trying to predict what you're going to do next year you're doing your strategy it's like sometimes finger to the wind what way is the wind going to blow but that's not the goal of getting it right It's, it's just get it started get on that journey as we say as entrepreneurs, jump off the cliff and build a bridge on the way down, but you have to commit, actually walk in the journey and and, and continue with your team, bring your team with you. It's not about you doing this off on your own, in a corner, in a bubble, on your as a leader in a room. It's about bringing shared values, shared goals, and bringing everyone on the journey with you. So it's, it's built, my skills have are still very well founded in manufacturing and lean but I don't really talk about lean anymore. I talk about performance, Isabella, and to ensure, like, and I break that down to multiple levels. Like, first of all, your performance as a person. Are you engaging? Are you committed? Are you creating good relationships? And we talk about this a lot, about leadership, about building relationships. And then the systems thinking, people miss the whole point of systems thinking. They think, oh my God, that sounds too difficult. It sounds too crazy. I don't want even to go there, but here's the thing to keep it simple is about systems thinking is about building mechanisms where people can collaborate to the best of their ability.
0: Wow. What a great mindset, but what a great application on very simple, yet very powerful concepts and tools. And I love that um, you bringing the previous crash and when everything was putting you a test as a leader, what kind of person you are? Are you going to just buckle down and give up and move on and uh, call it good or quit? Or as you did, uh, figure it out in ways and come back on the top. And right now, what we're seeing a lot, and this is what I want to ask, I'm sure that contributes to tremendous success uh, to be also awarded, I know you've been awarded for years, but to be awarded during the time uh, around the COVID and, and and be able to really show what you made of, could you tell us how that played the system thinking and your mindset, uh, the real role in it?
1: Well, it's, it's a really good question, Isabella. Like, I think, and, and, and I know this is the same for you, like, and this is something I learned from my dad, Like, if you really want to succeed, you have to help people. You have to truly want to help people. It has to be part of your DNA. You can't be just in it for money, right? You have, like, and I always say, even to my own clients, especially when I'm working with sales teams, your goal is not to sell. Your goal is to build amazing relationships. And the consequence of doing that, you build trust, you build goodwill, and then the sale will come. Play the long game. And that is what my dad always taught me when I was growing up and I worked with him in his business. He was an entrepreneur. And when you truly care for your clients' results, their performance, their outputs, that puts you in a position where you're not, you won't let your clients down, even if you don't have all the answers. And I said it a few seconds ago you jump off the cliff and build a bridge on the way down. But my clients know when I say, look, I don't have your answers, I, I don't have the answers for you now but I'm sure as hell is going to find them out with you. We're going to do this together and we'll get results. And this is why I believe that. And I showed them my mechanism. And that's, and again, we were talking about this offline. People don't necessarily just believe in what you do. They believe that you believe in what you do. And that's what gets them interested in you. And that's, that can be good or bad, Isabella, as we know <laughs> the world's over, unfortunately, yeah. but yeah. it can be used for really good, powerful stuff or really bad, powerful stuff. But if if your goal is to win-win, if you care about your clients, you will always naturally go that extra mile and you will show that you're a trusted partner. You're not a supplier. You're a partner in their pains. Their pains are your pains. Their goals are your goals. Their results are your results.
0: Hmm, how powerful that is. I love the wisdom from your father and I love how you develop your entrepreneurial spirit because right now we're seeing so many flashy statements in terms of the news and media, what's going on on global scale and it's very paralyzing for so many. Mm-hmm. Even if you're working as employee, if you feel like your position might be secure or needed, you still don't know how it's gonna play out, right? Let alone if you're taking all the risk and brunt of everything as a owner um, who that is running the business and it's trying to navigate everything uh, in the same time with changing industries, policies, regulations, and frankly, you know, economies that dictate um, different focus um, and, and constant velocity and, and, and disruption. So how do you stay grounded and how do you help like your financial industry clients specifically that are heavily hit um, to, to still thrive and, and move the needle in the right direction?
1: Well, you know what the funny thing is about that? Like, I like this question a lot. Because would you believe, like, you know, all about psychology, you know, all about motivation, right? But when you're stuck in your business and not just as a leader, but the teams, it can be very easy to forget why you're there, what your purpose is. And you just get caught in that rat race. You're being reactive. You're firefighting every single day and you're doing it so much. You forget to actually step out of your business and look in, look from a helicopter view down and you just get involved and you get stuck in that um, momentum of just firefighting without thinking strategically down on your business. So the reason why I tell you that is when I actually go in and assess these companies, while they think everything is terrible, they're always not that far off. Like pretty much, they just need a bit of guidance and a bit of help aligning to get them back on the path. And that's the thing, it's their mindsets that are doing a lot of the damage as opposed to what they're actually doing. Because many people get into this situation, well, I'm just going to go in and exchange time for money. I'm going to sit in my bubble. I'm going to sit on this chair and forget what they do has a consequence for good and bad. But when you bring them into that sort of like systems thinking and supply chain view, you're all a part of a chain within your business. When you show them that they're part of a process and the system they go wow I've never seen it like this before and then they know and I don't in some cases when you do the facilitation you don't even have to tell them what to do next they know it themselves because once they see that big picture they realize they'll go to to their to the people downstream and they go Isabel I'm so sorry I didn't realize this was causing you extra work downstream let's work together and I'll make it better for you And you create that reciprocation the law of reciprocation is one of my favorite laws in business when you help people, like then they'll help you back, but they'll be more inclined to help other people. And it creates that really good, feel good factor and the goodwill in the business. And that's what I work heavy on to ensure that people come into work loving what they do. And then that's number one. But then also, as I said, that just bit of guidance, getting that moonshot vision, making sure that they believe it and they can feel it. We start building the strategy and plan. Then they start to feel it, that it can happen. And then that goodwill brings them but again, Isabel, you cannot stop there. You have to check in regularly because I work with companies and they do this. They go away for a day coming up to the end in, the end of the year and they want to work on their strategy. They're in this hotel. They come up with amazing ideas. They come up with these targets and then they sign a piece of paper, shake their hands, go out for a few drinks, celebrate. Then they forget about the execution. They forget about the plan. It's not just a once-off. You have to keep iterating, work on it day by day. All the time and that's the bit that sometimes they miss and with a bit of guidance Isabella as I said it's not really that hard but it's just keeping them accountable for what they do all along that journey.
0: That is so powerful and a lot of times they don't have the confidence in themselves because they Mm. never done something like that or never was as high stakes as there may be right now or their bosses leaders uh, with position and authority do not know them very well and they don't have the confidence in them as the result of not engaging very well with their team so so we're seeing all of those problems don't we Shay and the problem is that we're not spending times with people with the right
1: conversations and that's it Isabella and even just to add to that point is when they meet the first hurdle, as you said, they haven't got the experience in this before and they think it's a roadblock, they say, they'll just go, I knew I couldn't do it. Look, we've hit a, hit a wall here, but it's not a wall. It's a hurdle to get over. And that's about the mindset shift that I work really hard with my clients say, well, look, you can get around this. We'll have to do a bit of brainstorming. It may not happen overnight, but we'll get there. But you have to get them to continue Sometimes things get a little worse before they get better, but that's okay, that's part of the journey. They're the learning points through the business.
0: And having the tolerance for the change, and, and I love what you also pointed out earlier, uh, if we're not allowing our teams and our performers to fail or adjust or try something and and then realize this is not gonna work, but we committed. So now we know let's commit again to the next phase of this process, right? So with that in mind, uh, obviously corralling people to work together, we know how important it is to foster proper conversation, communication, the change and managing that change. But psychology of people, as you mentioned earlier, um, I'm curious obviously from engineering mind you became so beautiful natural human connector how was that shift for you and and what would you recommend for others that keep saying you know I'm so introvert or I have such engineering mind I don't have a people skills what would you say to them that?
1: oh, that's 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 a good one um like I remember I can distinctly remember the one time Isabella where it all changed for me, and I remember thinking, "Oh my God, I was in a bubble. I lived in a bubble in an engineering bubble, and I talked engineering jargon to people who didn't know what I was talking about." And we have this joke in engineering that we're great at talking to engineers, but people don't have a clue what we talk about. And like, I really had to dumbify myself in a lot of ways, but I did go. I had a I had a great mentor, by the way that brought me on communication skills. They brought me on conflict resolution, negotiation skills. And he was amazing. He actually, he said about communication. It's like, yeah, your technical skills are very important, but the older you get in your career, the less your technical ability is important, but the more of how you build relationships. And one word he said to me, or the phrase he said, be other people centered. That was the number one goal. Because as humans, we're naturally self-centered or self-centered, Isabella. It's just who we are. That's the way our brain works. But the minute you put your feet in your, whatever, your colleagues, your friends, and then help them put yourself in their shoes to help their situation, things change. And he, like, and I had, like, he would challenge me quite a lot. But then I came to the conclusion myself guess what if you treat your friend or your colleagues in work right or even your clients the way you treat your family and your really close circle you'll never go far wrong because when your friend is in trouble as you know all about isabella you're there for your friends your friends will look after you and vice versa it's reciprocal that's naturally what you do if you we have a conversation you tell me something that's important to you the next time i talk to you i'm going to ask you about that How did that situation work out for you? Because that's what friends and family do. When you act like that with your business relationships, if you build families in your business, you will never go far wrong. And that's from that one conversation, my eyes were open about helping people. Businesses should be friendships as well. Like they should be family because what do friends do? They look out for each other. When your back is against the wall, someone's going to say, I know you need help. I have some spare time. What can I do? And that's, what, that's how you build. And you can see this on football pitches too. You know, like whether the team is working well together or not, or if there's issues in the, the cloakroom or not in the backroom. You can see it on the pitch because it comes out through actions. So that's how I got on the journey. But it took a long time to really sort of solidify my thoughts through testing, through learning. But the more I did it, Isabella, the more I realized, well, can I not just be me? Forget about the persona, just do what I'd like to do. And if, again, if you're that other people centered naturally, that'll work out.
0: That's beautiful. And thank you for sharing that, how much you invested in yourself and your growth because we're seeing people impatient. We're seeing people expecting overnight to be overnight success or they may get a little bit of traction and they think that that journey of growth is done and they focus on something else. And usually when, when we start seeing growth, when we start seeing success, that's where you need to even more so double down, right? Because you want to continue to be able to sustain it, but you also want to be able to grow with that because you're going to be pushed in uncomfortable situations, scenarios and mentorship and coaching. And that inner circle means tremendous difference. Doesn't
1: it? Mm. Oh, it's it's, it's like, you, you, you know, when you get a good mentor, Isabella, you see the difference. It's like a coach on a football pitch. You know, the difference between, a good coach and a bad coach. And I'll give one example for all the soccer fans
0: that watch <laughs> your
1: show, that pay attention to your great stuff, Isabella. I'm a like English Premiership, I followed Liverpool for years and for years and years they were very difficult to follow because they lost a lot. They could play the best football in the world, but they didn't know how to win. They just couldn't win. And they got a new manager about six or seven years ago, Jurgen Klopp. And like... I didn't know much about him at the time, but when I saw a few interviews, like I, I became very engaging in his words and what he said and what his beliefs and values were. And he started talking about how he picked a team. And like he had picking the, he had a budget to pick the best players in the world, right? The most expensive players, but it wasn't down to budget. His answer to when he was asked a question about, well, how do you pick the players? Well, first of all, I wanted... I learned about their attitude to their colleagues through conversation. And I also wanted to know how much they really wanted to play for this club. What was their passion for the club? And he didn't care how good they were. If if he didn't see the values there, they weren't part of the team. So he built a team that cared about their comrades, their colleagues, and also had a passion and a purpose to play for that club. And it was, I wouldn't say it was overnight success, But he did so much with a tight squad in the first few years. And then he won the Champions League and the Premiership. But the reason why I bring that up, the the word comrades, he got people on the pitch that were playing for something more than just them playing well. They were making sure they were looking after their colleagues, their teammates, being there for them all the time, supporting them and playing better than they can normally for their colleagues, not just them. He gave them a purpose for his teammates and the club, and that's what it's all about for me. And that's what businesses. That's it's not rocket science. Again, again, Isabella, it's about understanding what people want in life, what they need. Give people a purpose more than going in and exchanging time for money. And I'll tell you, you will see performance skyrocket overnight.
0: That is brilliant, and I loved that analogy. And I betcha during that time when he took that rollover, it was nothing really to be excited about. But his attitude, because there were no results, right? Mm. It was a lot of pressure and expectation. But he knew what secret ingredient is. And right now, obviously, from behavioral lens, and obviously people champion lens, and looking what is going on that we have. Uh, on global scale, the lowest engagement of people. I think this is very important for everybody watching and listening that systematic way of approaching things and using systems to support you as a tool on your daily basis and enhancing your performance. It's a component to that human performance piece. Doesn't work without it, right? So it's like you have to have a tools, and this is the tool that is necessary. So with that in mind, what would you suggest um, to corral and engage? Because both of us have a different uh, approaches to things, uh, because it's truly one of the biggest hindering situations that we're seeing in every business today. Yeah.
1: Well. My approach is very simple, Isabella. There's nothing complex. And I love to share it with people because first and foremost, you got to treat people like people. You got to treat them like they deserve to be treated. If they're a part of your team, there's a reason why you brought them into your business. And then they have strengths. They have strong points. They also have weaknesses. You need to intimately know what they are and put them in areas where they're going to thrive. Use their strengths. Don't put them... In a corner and treat them like a robot just on a computer make sure you understand what as we say in ireland floats their boat make sure you give them opportunities to use their strengths because they'll do everything they can to succeed because you're putting people have strengths because they like doing things and they're good at them and when you get that combination together and that person using their skills and strengths for the purpose of the business that's a win-win number one right so that's number one what i like to do the second of all I get them in a room. I make sure that we do these bursts. We call them like Kaizen events, or we do workshops. We figure out how are things done today. That's not me. When I go in as a third party, Isabella, I don't know anything about the business. I don't go in going, oh my God, how am I gonna do this? And like how will the director know that I know what I'm talking about. I don't pretend to have all the answers. I'll say what my superpower is, I get people in a room I learn how they do things today and I get them. The first eureka moment is I get them enjoying each other's company. That is number one, get them engaged and happy. And I entertain them a little bit because people open up and they're entertained. They're more happy to engage. And then I get them engaging with each other. I break them off into little groups and get them working with their comrades. And then we come back together to build our current best view of how things are done today. And then once we do that, we talk about, well, what's good, what's bad, what's ugly. We do the good, the bad, and the ugly on it. And then through that conversation, Isabella, I know everything. Within two hours, I know everything I need to know to help the business going forward. And not only me, I don't have to tell them. They know. And then we formulate the plan together. And it all comes from them. And then when they believe they've been involved in this process, it's instant buy-in. That's how you bring them on the journey with you. This is not rock and science. People want to do more, but you just don't give them the opportunities. And again, I'm going to go back to certain teams, and I won't mention the teams this time, but there's teams in the premiership that have taken the best players in the world, paid them hundreds of thousands a week, and they put them in a corner and say, that's all you're going to do. I don't care if you're brilliant, that X, Y, Z, that's all you're going to do. And they don't use them. They put them in a a robotic format. And then the players just fade away. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. When you do that to your teams, how do you expect them to perform? You need to bring them involved. And I said, treat them like a family. Treat them like a family member. Bring them in. You have them in their business, your business for a reason. Use it. Don't put them in a corner and leave them there because they'll get institutionalized. And just come in and exchange time for money and go home.
0: That is excellent perspective and I love your approach. And it's so important because every time from everyone we can learn and add few golden nuggets and you definitely share plenty of those in our conversation today. But with terms of engagement, guys, there is no silver bullet to be better quality human. How what kind of human you are and how you show up and that's how you're going to reflect how people will react to you. And at the same time, what you will be able to have as an output uh, in terms of honesty, sincerity, participation, desire to be there, and definitely interest to perform and do your best and give your best. Um, Obviously, you're raising the bar and always been raising the bar, which I love, consistency in the performance. Uh, And that is not easy to achieve. You're also doing a lot of things in personal life. You're running marathons, you're pushing yourself out of the comfort zone all the time. So do you mind sharing a little bit of that mindset specifically with my fellow Americans here uh, and people around the world that are struggling to focus and be consistent uh, and then also push their own limits and not confine in comfort zone? What would you say how that contributed to where you are today?
1: Where do I start, Isabella? Like I've got so many avenues I could go down with this question. Um, but the first and foremost, Isabella, and I know like, like you, I've had some tough times in my life and I've had times where I felt sorry for myself, right? Why me? I blamed everyone else, Isabella, and not me. And then I never learned. Right. But over the years, when I had something really bad happen, which I won't I won't bore your your um, your audience with, but it was really an eye opener to me because once I woken up to my faults in what happened, I was like, well, wow. And I was really disappointed in myself. And that was a really um, like purposeful, purposeful moment for me in terms of how I changed. And it didn't happen overnight. Things don't happen overnight. But now the way I think, Isabella, like you can say that you have all these aspirations. You can say that, you yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. No good talking about it. You got to do it. So I've learned not to think a lot, Isabella, is number one. I just do. If I set my mind, I do it. Even if it's beyond my capability, as I said earlier on, jump off the cliff, build a bridge on the way down, learn as you go, learn by doing. No one has all the answers, You know, the top people in the world didn't get there by going the happy path. Like a sailor didn't learn their skills on a cam seat. They had to learn the hard way. They had to fail and keep picking themselves up. And there's certain things from a mindset to keep me thinking like that is I do a lot of meditation. I do a lot of mindfulness. I do a lot of breath work. And number one is I make sure I eat food that are good for my body. So my mind and body are congruent and thinking good, but there are certain mantras that I, I say to myself every day, and I position them in different parts of the house, so I see them. One of them is keep moving forward. See that picture of Rocky? Is anyone a Rocky fan here? That's yes. That quote, you can't read it, is a quote that he says to his son in Rocky Balboa, Rocky 6, when his son is feeling sorry for himself, and I won't go, I can share it later on with you, so you can share it with your audience, but it's all about taking responsibility and accountability for you. You can't blame other people. Life is cruel. Accept it. Don't ask for a happy path. Learn how to negotiate the difficult path. And every time you're knocked down, keep getting back up one more time. And what I love about that, Isabella, I've learned to deal with pain mentally and physically quite well. But I think you have to, Isabella. I'm not saying that is something that, oh yeah, learn to repel pain. No but you have to learn to accept things aren't going to go right. And that's what I was doing a, a great session with a, with, a, with a great group of people a few weeks ago. And one guy was saying, I put so much into something and I got so dejected when I put this plan, I did all the right things. I, I read it all and I acted on it and it still failed. And I said, well, what other outcome did you expect? Right. And mm-hmm. um, do you think you can predict the future? Do you think that? You want to achieve something beyond your current capability that you know the path straight away and i said do you think that's a little bit arrogant you know because mm-hmm. the whole path of life and i didn't say it in a very bad way i was trying to get him to question himself isn't it arrogant to think that you know all the answers mm-hmm. the whole point, point of life is to learn yes. what works and a part of learning what works is finding out what doesn't work yes and the more you learn what doesn't work, the closer you get to the right path. So keep moving forward. Keep, if that didn't work, okay, don't feel disappointed. Go, okay, I've learned another way, not how to do it. And that's, not, I did, that's on a personal level, but also on a business level, Isabella, when we built that first mechanism, that first draft, as I call it, of the business plan, right, or the operational plan, the project plan, I say to them, this is not going to be right. It's not going to be right but when we hit a roadblock it's not a roadblock we're going to figure out well what do we need to do differently next because you'll have targets and you'll have your actual this is your target that you set. there's a gap right so you're going to think what your best estimate of things to do are you're going to write them down some of them will work some of them won't and then you get rid of them, some of them won't and then they, what else can i do to get closer and i call it play the game close the gap over month by month so by the end of the year you get a little bit closer all the time. And then by the end of the year, you don't need to do a strategy for next year because you have the momentum going because you're playing that game all the way through. Mm.
0: I love again, how important it is to start, right? But also knowing with what to start with and then knowing what is the part of the process that you also need to tweak it. And as you go, when you get where you need to be um, not to stop, keep going, keep doing, and keep pushing yourself further and further along. Seems like you accomplished so many things already, Shay, just from things I also know, uh, obviously, and you created tremendous impact and legacy for yourself, uh, not only just in Dublin and Ireland, but with, beyond with so many companies that you already made a tremendous change and, and people that you touched from business and personal life. But I'm curious, what is in your bucket list now? And what would you like to accomplish um, in decades to come? And what would you like your legacy to be?
1: Ooh, I love this question. Um, Few things, Isabella, right? I wanna help. I wanna take people to their future state. That's why I've called my business Future State. I wanna help people do things And you know, consulting, I can go in and do the work for people, but they don't learn when they do that. I always try and impart my skills to them so they can develop the future state for themselves. So I've got two goals Isabella. from a business perspective. I want to touch millions of companies. We've talked about this before. I don't want to do it just for a few companies at a time. I want to help millions of people do things for themselves and achieve their true potential. That's number one on on a business level. On a personal level, Isabella, what I want to achieve, as I keep saying, I like pushing my boundaries and while I still can do them physically, they will be physical, but I'm now putting more mental elements into my physical challenges. And a part of that, I hated running. So my goals were to learn how to do marathons because I hated mentally. So a part of my challenge was to do marathons, and not the challenge of just doing a marathon, but how can I do it? In the most efficient and effective way from my form from my diet and i told you how many calories i'm eating at this moment of <laughs> time which is quite fun but and i said if i do two marathons this year i'm gonna set myself a bigger goal sorry two marathons without getting injured because my problem is injury because of biomechanical issues i've now i'm two weeks away from my third marathon right so fingers crossed that will go well And then next year, I have a a massive goal to run the the wit of Ireland, the whole country Mm. in aid of charity. And that's that's from a personal um, standpoint, because long story short, I did my friend's mother and passed away from cancer about 10 years ago. And there's a hospice in Ireland that she said they couldn't be more amazing to her, like in such a, a tough tragic time for a family they were an amazing group of people went above and beyond so i said i wanted to do something for charity so i got into a boxing ring with a club fighter never boxed before and i trained like an amateur for six months and i didn't lose by the way let me get that in Yay! and, Ooh, rocky
0: and here's, the thing, here's
1: the thing rocky exactly um, <laughs> but here's the thing life come karma comes around for good and bad and in this case it was good When my mom was end of life five years ago, this same group of people went above and beyond for my mom. And it really touched us. We were overwhelmed how good they were. And my mom was from the West of Ireland in a place called Galway. And I don't know if you heard the song Galway girl, but she was a Galway girl. And she never got to go back to her hometown while she was sick. And Mm -hmm. she was very disappointed because that's where her heart was. So I'm going to run from her family home in go to the family home I grew up in for this hospice. And I said, I'd only do it if I was able to do the two marathons without getting injured. So fingers crossed, I'll do number three. So that's my goal for next year.
0: That is amazing and such a beautiful story and very powerful story when we're motivated with something that also extends family legacy, a great re- resemblance, recognition, and then also value and impact in community. So kudos, kudos, and such a great goal and objective. So we're crossing fingers for successful number three this year and epic next year and um, so much more. In closing, what would you recommend or um, just give a one quick piece of advice for all the people watching and listening here on Legacy Leader Show? W- what would be piece of advice for them to move forward?
1: Well, like... The one piece of advice that really helped me, Isabella, when through my tough times in businesses in life is question everything. Don't give up just because you meet that first roadblock. And many people see it as a roadblock. It's not. It's an opportunity to learn something different, to get around it and see it as a hurdle, not a roadblock. And that's the one that was a big attitude change for me that Because people have this self-fulfilling biases. Even when, for example, giving up smoking, they don't smoke for three weeks and then all of a sudden they had a cigarette and then they say to themselves, I knew I couldn't give up smoking. Instead of saying, well, you know what? I'm going to forgive myself. I went three weeks without smoking. That is amazing. Now I'm going to try four weeks. So don't give up. Don't keep looking bad when things don't go right. Things are going right. You just need to think